Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. This morning, we're finishing our series uh, on the Lord's Prayer, uh, tying it all up. Next week, we'll start into our summer series, but um, we have been walking through the Lord's Prayer, and um, boy, I thought about it a lot this last week. As I just got home yesterday, late in the afternoon, uh, from Poland, so I caught a flight at 6.40 sometime in the morning one day, I'm not sure which day it was, and um, flew to Amsterdam and then flew from Amsterdam to LAX, LAX home, and so I'm home, got home yesterday afternoon. Uh, but the time in uh, Poland was pretty remarkable because the whole focus uh, of the time was to serve uh, younger pastors who were trying to rebuild the church in Eastern Europe. Uh, Eastern Europe after World War II was pretty decimated and then of course the communists came in and it got worse and the church you know, disappeared in a good bit of, of, uh, uh, of Eastern Europe and so this group called the uh, European Leadership Forum uh, have come together, leaders from all over Europe, uh, to try to rebuild the church in Eastern Europe. So uh, it was a privilege to be invited to come. I did, uh, I did uh, some workshops uh, for pastors, and then every meal, the whole week that I was there, they would set me up with uh, a young pastor to, uh, who just would come, and it, was, it would either be leadership, it would be church stuff, it would be marriage and family, and so they would kind of come with their agenda, and we would talk and spend time together and just kind of talk through what was going on. And the thing that was amazing to me about it is I, I met with somebody every meal for a week, and I only met one pastor who his only job was being a pastor. That every single person other than that I met with was bivocational. Most of them had two jobs to support their family uh, because they're in this mission field of trying to rebuild a church and it's not uh, starting from scratch, really. It's really starting from a hole, you know, from a church that's been devastated and, and disappeared and then trying to come in and build trust and rebuild and all the things. And they've planted just over 200 churches now uh, in Eastern Europe and God's blessing them. It's a remarkable thing to watch, but it was humbling to me because, you know, we think about the Lord's Prayer and, you know, and some of you have recited it your whole life, but for them, uh, for them, it's not an option uh, for them, it's critical, it's a necessity, it's survival. You know, they don't have time to worry about, you know, uh, a high-def projector to show their worship songs, or, or they don't have time to worry about how comfortable the seats are uh, in their worship center, or how the lighting is, or any of those things, but they're coming every day saying, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, otherwise we don't know where we're gonna, we don't know if we're gonna eat. Uh, but we're gonna serve you. It's about your kingdom. It's about what you're doing. And, and they're giving their lives away. And I met with a young pastor who has two jobs and then pastors a church. And we were talking about family and how do you balance all of this. And, and he's saying that, you know, he's kind of, he's got a, his wife and a 14-year-old daughter and they're starting to resent the church because not only is he working these two jobs, but then he does all of this church work and they never see him. And, and how do you figure out how to love your family and care for people in the, the middle of that? And when I listen to the things that they go to, through, it, it just reminds me how critical it is uh, that they understand whose kingdom it is and they understand the gift that God has given them and giving them that opportunity to bring their needs before the Lord. And so we're gonna tie this up this morning, hopefully, and we've been doing, we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, our Father, who is in heaven, 
right? Our heavenly Father, the God who created the universe, the God who is over all things, the God whose name is holy, holy is your name. And and the interesting thing about the language there is that not only are we saying that you are God, you are, uh, in in the word that they use there is the word Abba, which means you're dad. It's an intimate relationship. It's a familiar relationship that that you're my father who loves me, who wants to give good gifts to me. You're, You're the father who sent his only son to give his life for me. You're that dad in my life. I have the privilege of having that relationship with you, but at the same time, you're a holy father, that you are the judge, you are the God of the universe, that you're in charge of all things, that you created all things. So we've talked about holding those things in tension together. And then he says that our father who is in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come. And that's critical for for us because we're reminded when we pray that it's not my kingdom that we're trying to build. It's not your kingdom that you're trying to build, but it's God's kingdom that we're trying to be part of and grow in and, and to see grow in a world that so desperately needs it. So your kingdom come, your will be done, not my will, but your will on earth as is in heaven. And, and so what happens often is that we, we do all of that, you know, okay, my father, our father, our father, and then we get to the big stuff, right? Give us this day. Now we get to the list of things. We kind of go through the beginning and now, okay, here's all the stuff that I want, God. I brought my list today. I want you to check these things off. These are the things that I want. This is the stuff that's important to me. Give us this day or deliver. I get that, but I really need this stuff. And, and so there's a tendency for us in our lives to, to kind of rip through that first part. Our Father who's in heaven, I get all of that. Now, now God, here's my list. Here's the stuff that I want. But that's not what Jesus taught us. He said that give us this day our daily bread. Give us enough for today and tomorrow, Lord. Give us enough to sustain us. And then he says, you know, our Father, he says, give us. We pray corporately. We pray together. So what Jesus is teaching us is that when we pray for our daily bread, we're praying that no one in the world goes hungry, that nobody is without food, that we're all in this together. And so the truth of it is that when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, Jesus may say, "Ah, and Larry, you're part of the answer to that prayer, that you need to make sure, that you need to do what you can do to make sure that people eat today that you may be one of the ways that I'm answering that prayer. And so we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And then we say, forgive forgive us our debts, our sins, as, as we forgive, as we also have forgiven others. And so here's what Jesus says, when you pray, forgive us of our sins, I want you to understand that those who are forgiven much, forgive much. That, that one of the ways that we understand that we've been forgiven by Jesus is our willingness to forgive others that we acknowledge that we're a sinner saved by grace and now he's called us to forgive other people in our lives and in other relationships and so not only are we great about being forgiven but we're great forgivers. And then we come to this last part and he says, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the king. Lead us not into temptation, I don't get ahead of myself, but deliver us from evil and that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. That's the story we're gonna talk about this morning. Well, in my never-ending attempt to bring you trivial information that you may or may not ever use again, I did some research this week, and, and I discovered, and we have a picture of it, um, the, a plankton. I, I, I discovered that we have a major problem in our environment today, and that is that plankton and, and other sea life are consuming the trash that we throw away. They're consuming 
plastic bottles, uh, plastic water bottles that, that we have just sort of disregarded in the ocean, and they eat them, and, and scientists, uh, you know, originally thought that they ate these disposed of plastics by accident, but now we know that the real reason they eat this literal junk food is because they like it. It tastes good. And so as we throw our trash away, they're consuming it because it tastes good to them. According to one um, marine scientist, uh, plastics may be inherently tasty and that smaller ocean animals such as coral and plankton react to them as if they were actual food. This is in contrast to reactions to more obvious and less edible waste like sand. According to the New Haven Register, if sand came near their mouths, the animals used tiny hairs covering their body to brush themselves clean. But delicious uh, plastic is a different matter. The corals scoop up the plastic toward their mouths and with their tentacles, they garbage, uh, they, they gobble up the trash. They eat the garbage. You know, and we think about that, okay, those are dumb plants, right? And we love you, Larry, but what does this have to do with, so here's what it has to do with that, is that we do that all the time. That, that we gobble up trash, that we take into our hearts and our minds things that are trash, things that are garbage. We, should, we can see them. Uh, plankton don't have eyes. They use all, they use all feeling. They use all touch uh, to discern what's good for them and what's bad for them. But we can see things and we still eat trash. We still consume trash. And Jesus gave us this picture. He gave us this warning. He said in, in this verse, he said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, and th this gives us two petitions that we give the Lord. The first one is lead us not into temptation. And, and the language is really important because we tend to think of temptation as, as something terrible, something that we uh, do that's really bad, that's evil. Uh, but in the, in the language, testing, temptation is all, all often referred to as testing. That, that we are tested, uh, that, that our lives are tested, uh, and, and that we, are, uh, we're, we live a life that's filled with testing and challenge and trials in order to strengthen us. Uh, the, the scripture talks a, a lot about this. We have a problem. We consume things that are not healthy for us. And Jesus reminds us, lead us not into temptation, but when we are tested, we have a way out. James 1.21 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet, various, uh, you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let uh, that steadfastness uh, have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Did you catch those verses? Count it all joy, family. When you, when you meet trials and tests of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, that we experience tests in our life, we, we experience trials, temptations in our lives, that when we overcome, that when we live through those, uh, when we choose to obey Christ instead of obey our own desires or our own in, inclinations, when we do that, that testing produces steadfastness in our lives. It produces something in our lives that, that we don't necessarily even see, but it has an effect on us 
It has a transformational effect in our lives. And this idea of steadfastness, it's a great Bible word. The picture, if you, if you looked in the Greek New Testament, the picture that it creates for us is a dog on a bone. Have you ever seen a dog get its teeth around a bone and you just pick up that bone and the dog just sort of goes up in the air with it? That they are not letting go of that bone. And and that what we're being told in James is that when we live this kind of life, he says, count it joy because that's what it's gonna produce in your life. It's gonna produce that kind of steadfastness that you're a dog on a bone, that you're gonna be faithful to the Lord and no matter what comes in your life. And here's here's part of the picture that we have of this is that when we're faithful in the little things, you see, we tend to be thankful in big things. We tend to be, you know, think about testing and temptation and, you know, well, I haven't committed adultery lately or whatever, so I'm okay. Uh, But what he's talking about here is that there's those little challenges that we face a thousand times a day, those little decisions. Well, a little white lie here isn't gonna hurt anybody or a little cheating here isn't gonna hurt anybody uh, you know, or looking at these pictures isn't really gonna hurt anybody. It's just, this is my decision. This is about me. I'll you know, figure it all out later. But what he's saying, every time we make those small decisions, it has an impact on when the big challenges come in our lives. And are we producing that steadfastness in our lives? Are we, are we producing the kind of characteristics, the kind of qualities in our lives that, that keep us from those huge challenges, those crises in our lives? And he says, lead me not in temptation. And then the language, again, the language here is, Lord, don't let me give in to the tests. Don't let me fall. Don't let me fail the tests that we have. Uh, you know, every April, there's this rite of passage that happens some of you may not set your DVR for it, but some of us might. But it's the NFL draft. And college students or college athletes are drafted, you know, in the NFL, and it's always the, who's going to be the number one draft pick and all this stuff. But before the draft, which you may or may not have watched, before the draft, they have what they call the combine, the NFL combine. And they bring in all of these athletes and they test them. And so they go through agility tests, speed, strength, all all of these things, and how you score in these tests can determine how high you go in the draft. So you get these massive offensive linemen and they, they have to bench press 225 pounds, and how many times can you do it? And some of those are doing it 35 times, 225 pounds, just up and down. Uh, there was, and, and then they want to see how fast you are or how you can jump, all of these things. And then they talk to you about your character. They interview you, all of these things that they do to test you to, to see if you're ready for the NFL. One, one uh, offensive lineman from a major college who was considered to be one of the top guys in the draft went to the combine and, and he hadn't prepared himself. And when it came to the bench, he just did a very few uh, reps with the weight, and I, and I was listening, one commentator said, you know, it's probably gonna cost him millions of dollars because he's gonna drop to the bottom of the draft because of how poorly he performed. And I was thinking about it because, you know, what if you were a college football player and you knew that the combine was coming up, but you thought, I'm a college, I got this. I'm a great athlete, I'm a great football player. I don't. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna enjoy myself. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna relax a little bit. And, and you didn't prepare yourself for that combine. And then you get there and you're not ready for the test. You're not ready for what's gonna happen to you. And you basically fail only because you didn't prepare for it. 
And here's what Jesus is trying to help us. That when we pray, lead us not into temptation, Lord, help me, not just with the big tests that happen in my life, but help me all along the way that I am, that I am overcoming in the small decisions that I make every day so that when the big test comes, I'm prepared. The same is true in the military. We are, uh, we are celebrating or remembering, it's probably more appropriate, the Memorial Day tomorrow for the, the uh, people in our armed services who have made the, the ultimate sacrifice for our country and given their lives. But, but what we know is they have a thing called boot camp. And in boot camp, they get you in shape and they get you prepared and they try to make you mentally tough and they're constantly testing you so that when you find yourself in battle, then it's like second nature to do what you're supposed to do because you've been tested all along the way that you've passed all of the little tests. So when the big test comes, you're prepared. And Jesus wants us to understand that this just isn't about what's the major thing? How can I get, how can I get past the, the major issues in my life? But he's saying every day, there are thousands of decisions that we make. There are thousands of tests that we experience that the Lord's calling us to be faithful to. And he's saying, Lord, don't let me fail in that test. And then the second petition is, um, the, the second part of that is, Lord, help me. Help me, free me from the evil, from evil. And, and, and some, some manuscripts translate that from the evil one. And here's what he's reminding us is that, that there is evil in this world, that there's an enemy in this world, and that we're part of a spiritual battle that's going on in this world. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6 to put on the armor because our battle isn't flesh and blood, against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual forces of this world. So not only are we tested on a daily basis, but we have opportunities, we have things that happen in this world because there is evil that he's called us to overcome. He said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver me, Lord. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from evil. You know, here's one of the, the things, when I was, last week, uh, after the conference, I stayed one more day in Krakow and uh, took that day to go to Auschwitz and, and then I went to Schindler's factory uh, for a visit and, and it just, it's a great reminder uh, that, that evil exists in the world and, and that, that we can be overcome in a culture with that evil and we can forget, um, we, we, we can forget about people's lives and make people's lives expendable. And, and so the things that, you, that I saw uh, in Auschwitz were just overwhelming. And it does remind me when I come back, I, you know, how can that happen? And then I realize that, that, that we're, we're doing this every day to babies in our country. And, and how can they become dispensable uh, when you look at that kind of environment? And, and, and so we, there is evil in this world. And we shouldn't be naive to that. We shouldn't just assume that's for somebody else. Uh, so he says, lead me not to temptation, but deliver us, Lord, from evil. Those the two parts of that prayer, Lord, help me through the tests that I face in my life, and Lord, deliver me from the evil that's in this world, because it's your kingdom, Lord, that we're bringing to this, th th this world. It's, it's your will that we want to be done. We want what you have in heaven to come down to earth and Jesus calls us to pray for that but he doesn't want us to be naive. He, he doesn't want us to be lazy. He wants us to be serious about how we think and how we pray and recognize that we're tested every day, that we're, we have trials every day and that there is evil in this world that we're called to live with. Uh, Matthew 5 says this, 
Verses 11 and 12, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. An interesting theme, James says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. And then Jesus himself said, blessed are you when others revile you. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Uh, and so here Jesus is saying this, that, that you know what, when you face trials, especially when you live for Jesus, you're a reflection of Christ in the world, that you stand up for Jesus, that you're gonna face persecution, you're gonna face trials because of that. He said, be glad for that. Because what that means is that you have been given the opportunity to look like Jesus in a world that desperately needs to see him, in a world that's desperately lost, that we're called to look like Jesus, but in a culture that, that doesn't honor Christ. It, it, may, it may mean that people say things about you. It may mean that people revile you. He's saying it may mean that people gossip about you, but he said rejoice in that because that's exactly what happened to the prophets. You know, when people come to me and they tell me, um, <laughs> you know, they kind of have the woe is me stories about, you know, persecution or, or people saying false things about them or whatever because of their faith. And, and I always tell them, you know, you're still getting off easy. You haven't been crucified yet. Just think about what Jesus went through. Anything short of crucifixion, I feel like I'm getting a deal, right? I feel like I'm getting off easy. And Jesus said, rejoice in that for your reward in heaven is great, that God has something planned for this. This is such a short time, this period of our lives, that we have eternity to live with Christ. We have eternity to experience his glory, experience his love, to live in relationship with him. And he said that we need to keep it in context and we need to understand that this is something to say, Lord, we do this joyfully. We go into this joyfully for your name's sake. It's for your kingdom. We want to remember we want to live our lives for you. So lead us not into temptation. Lord, help us. Don't let us fall to the tests, but deliver us from evil, Lord. We recognize we're in a spiritual battle. And if we really take seriously that we're in a spiritual battle, uh, then we'll pray. Uh, we'll pray against the evil in the world. We'll pray for God to redeem us, to, that our rejoicing will be in him, that our eyes will be focused on him, that we'll live a kind of life that, that's honoring to him and we'll rely on his strength because it's not my kingdom that matters here, it's his kingdom. Well, the last part of this prayer that most of us have memorized in our lives is for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, right? And we've talked about the fact that in a lot of the uh, older manuscripts that that's not in there, uh, that's considered a doxology and that maybe somebody added it to kind of tie it all together for, uh, because in, in Jewish prayers uh, back in, in the first century and prior to that, you would, never, you would never read a prayer that didn't have some kind of doxology at the end of it, that that's how they tied it all together, that's how they would conclude. So it's, it's natural to think, regardless of what, what manuscript, the ancient manuscript you're looking at, it's, it's natural to think that they had some kind of doxology for this and, and so the doxology that they had have in this passage is it's for your kingdom for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen uh, here, here's 
Here's what this does. When I pray this, because I, I'm so forgetful, I'm, I, I tend so much to, you know, I start our Father who's in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven, and I, and I get it right, and I recognize his kingdom, and then I get into the next section, and all of a sudden it becomes about me again. It becomes about my daily bread, and the things that I want, and the things that I think I need. And I can get lost sometimes in, in my own tests and my own trials. And Lord, this is about me. And all of a sudden, it's, about, it's not about him anymore. It's not about holy is your name, but it's about Larry again. And then I come to the bottom of it. I come to the end, and I'm reminded it all comes together in this idea. For yours is the kingdom. That it's about his kingdom, it's not about mine, it's about the kingdom that God says I want to bring to earth, that I want you to live and breathe in my kingdom. You're a citizen of my kingdom, you belong to me, you live under my authority. Don't ever forget who you belong to, don't ever forget where you live, that you are part of the kingdom of God. If you're a child of God, you're a member of his kingdom, you belong to him. So he says your kingdom, yours is the kingdom, and the power, don't ever forget that it's through his power that we live life. It's not because I get stronger all the time. It's not because I'm getting smarter all the time. In fact, I'm pretty convinced that it goes the other way. But it's because of his power. It's all about him. It's about the power of the spirit of Christ who lives in me, who transforms me, who strengthens me, who gives all good gifts to me. And we wanna live in his power and it's for his glory. When I was in seminary, I had a professor one time, he gave us this assignment. He said, uh, I want you to, I want you to write your eulogy. I don't know if you've ever done that. It seems kind of morbid, right? And I'm in my 20s. He said, I want you to write your, your eulogy. I'm thinking, I'm hoping nobody's going to use this soon, but we wrote our eulogy. How do you want to be remembered? What is it that you want people to say about you at your memorial service? Write it right now. So we all wrote our eulogies, what we would think we would want people to say about us. And then he said, okay, now start today becoming that person. Don't just hope that someday that's what people say about you. Start practicing that back here. Start living that out in your life. Start asking the Lord for those qualities in your life back here and allow that thing to grow so that, that when you're gone, that's what people see. That's what people remember. And as I thought about that, uh, as I've been thinking and praying through the Lord's Prayer myself, I, I thought about, boy, I can't imagine a better eulogy, a better legacy than to say Larry was committed to the kingdom. He, he spent his life building the kingdom of God and not trying to build his own little kingdom that was about him, that was centered on him. But he was... He was a person who was after God's kingdom. That was one of the things I loved about this trip to Poland is that nobody in Poland, no, none of the speakers, none of the workshop leaders, none of, nobody got paid to be there. We all paid our own way because it was kingdom work. It wasn't about an honorarium. It wasn't about anything else. It was just about serving people in the kingdom, helping them to build the kingdom of God. I, I was really attracted to that idea that we were all collectively just trying to serve the kingdom. And that's how we want to be known is not somebody that built our own kingdom, but somebody that was building the kingdom, God's kingdom. And, and then the second is that, is that you'd want to be remembered as somebody that lived in the power and the grace and the love of Jesus. 
that it wasn't based on my power, and it wasn't based on your power, but it's based on the power that we have through the Spirit of Christ, and our lives were a picture of what Jesus can do with somebody's life when we live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, it was for his glory, that I lived my life for his glory, uh, for what Jesus could do, for what he was doing in the lives of people, not to drive glory to myself, but to live a life that brought glory to Christ, that drew people. Jesus himself said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all people to me. And I want to lift Jesus up. I want to be remembered as somebody who didn't try to promote himself, but just simply tried to lift up Jesus so people could get a good, honest look at who Jesus is. And know Christ, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, which, by the way, is a really long time. Forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of of having this prayer that we might walk through it, that we might understand how how you wanted us to learn to pray, how you wanted to teach us to pray. And and, and so, Lord, we thank you for that and and we simply ask you this morning, Lord, that you would give us the courage and give us the awareness, Lord, that that as we're tested every day, uh, the small things, the great things, Lord, that you would be our strength, that you would be our power, Lord, that we would be about your kingdom and your power and it would all be for your glory, Lord, that our lives would be lived to bring you honor and glory. We ask that, Lord, and and we recognize that we fail. We recognize that we are debtors, that we sin. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness, and we ask that you would make us strong. We ask, Lord, that you would deliver us from evil. We ask, Lord, that you would touch our lives so that we might look like Jesus. That's the goal, Lord. That's what we're after. And we submit ourselves to you for for that purpose and for your promises. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. The title of the sermon this morning is Handling Temptation. So I I just have one question that I want to encourage you with this morning. Uh, When when you're facing testing, uh, temptation in your life, to ask yourself just this one question. You ready? Do I value Jesus more than the temptation I'm facing right now? Do I value Jesus more than the thing I'm being tempted with? Just ask yourself that question. How much do I value Jesus? How important is my relationship with him? When I am tempted to look at stuff that I know I shouldn't be looking at, do I value Jesus? more than the thing I'm considering looking at. When, I, when I'm tempted to say something about someone who's not present, that, that wouldn't be honoring to them, do I value Jesus more than the thing I'm being tempted with? Whatever it is in our lives, ask yourself this question. 
do I value Jesus? Jesus, the one who loves us, the one who gave his life for you, uh, the one who went to the cross when we didn't deserve it and made his life a sacrifice for our sins. Do I value him more than whatever that is that I'm being tempted with? Just ask yourself that one question, all right? And we have prayer partners. Love to pray with you this morning. And also on our prayer table, you can, as always, you can record your prayer requests and our staff team and our prayer team would love to pray. We'll be praying with you all through the week. Here's the last thing. Maybe one of the great, greatest tragedies in life, maybe one of the greatest tragedies that, that could ever happen is that we could, that we have the God of the universe, the God who created all things, the, the God who loved us so much that he sent his only son to give his life as a sacrifice for our sin, for our debts, for all that we've done, that we have that God, that heavenly Father who's given us all of that and he's invited us to talk to him. He, he's invited us to come to him for forgiveness, to, to come for him for our daily needs, to, to come for him for the tests and the challenges that we face in our lives, that the God of all things who is above every name, that God has invited us to pray. And maybe one of the greatest tragedies in our life is that with that invitation before us, we don't do it. That we don't take that opportunity, we don't grab that privilege of talking to the God who loves us, the God who made us. I, my, my prayer for us this week is that we'll pray, that we'll receive that invitation that we have from the God who loves us the God over all things, and that we will come to him in prayer, that we'll give him that time. I know there's all kinds of stuff. I, I've been there. I know, you know, we've got little kids. We've got big kids. We've got work. We've got all these challenges. I'm just simply saying, figure out how to talk to the Lord. Figure out how to pray. He's invited us to come, and I can't imagine what it would be like to get to the end of our lives and realize we had this resource that we never used that we never took advantage of in our lives. So let's pray this week. Let's commit ourselves to that. I love you guys. Have a great day. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.